the IAB podcast from SNK Studios. Hello and welcome to this episode of the IAB UK podcast, brought to you with the help of our sponsor, Verizon Media. As always, I'm James Chandler, Chief Marketing Officer at the IAB, and a big thank you for tuning in to what marks our halfway point in this series. But are we slowing down the pace? Absolutely not. In fact, in this week's episode, we're turning our attention to one of the most pressing areas in our industry, inclusion, diversity and equality. Here at the IAB, we believe that a diverse workforce is a happier and more productive one. So we'll chew over how we can all keep making progress with our incredible industry panel. We'll then turn our focus from big picture to individual with a handy and quick explainer of universal user ID. Of course, as always, we'll catch up on everything happening within the walls of the IAB UK office and we'll be heading over to Twitter to throw our notorious 10 quirky and quickfire questions to their managing director, Dara Nazir. So, whether you're listening to this with the whole team or musing upon it alone on a moody hillside, we hope that by the end of this episode, you'll feel more informed and inspired about diversity and equality in our brilliant industry. Here at the IAB, it's part of our mission to build a sustainable future for the industry. And central to that mission is striving for diverse and inclusive workplaces that are reflective of the world around us and the customers we want to reach. But what kind of initiatives are happening and what more can we do? Joining me today are Sarah Barnes, People and Culture Director at Bauer, and Rak Patel, Head of Sales at Spotify. Thank you, Sarah and Rak, for joining me. Very welcome. Uh, Sarah, why don't we start with you? Tell us a bit about your role at Bauer. Well, um, as you said, I'm the Head of People and Culture, and it does what it says on the tin, really. I'm responsible for ensuring our people are well looked after, that we create a really safe environment where people can come to work and do their best work. Um, And we're doing an awful lot at the moment around diversity and inclusion, which I guess you're going to come on to talk about. Mm. Uh, and, And examples of where, I mean, how long have you been in the role? Is it a fairly new role or something you've done for a while or have you moved from a traditional no. HR background? Or? Yeah, I have. Um, I've been working for Bauer for the last 10 years okay. and I've worked in lots of different areas of HR from learning and development through to recruitment, mm. etc. And one of the things that I think is the most important thing is recruiting the right talent into businesses. And of course, diversity and inclusion is high on everyone's agenda mm. at the moment. But I uh, fundamentally believe that it's critical to any organisation's growth to get the right people into the business in the first place. And in, in, if you use external recruiters, is it as much them being on brief as the internal people as well as, I guess sometimes you're as good as the candidates that an external recruitment agency might give you? Yeah, we work with lots of agencies um, and uh, we make sure that we're really, really clear on our mm. brief to them. And we work with lots of uh, inclusive organisations as well, people like Creative Access, for example. Uh, Rack clearly here uh, as head of sales for Spotify, but tell us a bit about Media for All. Yeah, of course. So this is actually the brainchild of um, Patel royalty, Naren Patel. <laughs> and um, he was at a NABS summer ball a good couple of years ago or so and was talking to Karen Blackett, another luminary obviously mm. in our industry. And what they noticed was there wasn't any brown faces mm. around you know, that, that evening. So they started chatting and then about 18 months ago or so, a few of us got together, had dinner uh, with Naren and really talked about, okay, you know, for the BAME communities within our, within our industry, what support initiatives are there? And there's, you know, there's very little mm. in, from a senior BAME perspective so from there we've done various events um to bring bame the bame community within advertising into the into uh into one one spot um but we're, we're really at the beginning of everything we want to do 
Would you be a resource for people? So the IB do a bunch of events, for example. You could be a resource for people to make sure the people we're putting on our stages and our platforms are better represented. Or absolutely, mm-hmm. you know. And, and when I'll go back to when we actually had the dinner, I mean, there's a whole raft of different ideas uh, that came up, and uh, I think we wanted to to change the world actually at that dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we've realised definitely over the first sort of year or so is that we need to take each step, uh, step by step. So obviously we have been talking to you uh, as the IAB yeah. as well in terms of how we can sort of partner. Mm. And, and you know, from from events, from bringing the BAME community together to recruitment as well, Sarah, as you just sort of mentioned, to, you know, hugely important to us, all the way through to, yeah, speakers and so on. And, and what I'd say is there's a group of around 20 to 25 senior BAME uh, committee members, uh, and a few of them are actually IAB members um, yeah. already as well. And and you you sit as a committee, almost like a board, and you'll make decisions together. Or is there, there's a leader of this group, or it. Well, it's it's very informal at this okay. sort of stage. I mean, Naren, Naren absolutely is our chair, um, and and again, it's one of those sort of things that we don't want to sort of uh, bite off more than we could chew. So you know, we are very collaborative in terms of um, the direction we take um, take media for all. This year is very much mm-hmm. around doing a couple of key events where again, you know, we can bring people together. Yeah, amazing. Uh, Sarah, talk about. Um the sort of the impactful stuff, you know, the, the stuff that gets you up in the morning that has had a real impact on, on Bauer's business. I think it's worth just giving a bit more context, I guess, to how we um, really got into this in mm. the first place. Um, and, you know, there is no doubt that um, writing um, our biographical data for Ofcom, our broadcasting regulatory right, body, yeah. was a real kind of um, opportunity for us to really make transparent the makeup of our workforce um, in the UK. What sort of stuff goes into that document? So, you know, what what sort of... um, Well, initially, to be honest, we had to capture um, lots of information about people's age, uh, whether they were disabled, uh, female, male, Mm. LGBT, BAME. But we had a huge data gap in the Uh, data that we had. Um, So we've worked tirelessly in the last year to get the correct biographical data Mm. to inform that report. But Sharon White, the CEO... um, um, talked about the woeful display of diversity within the media sector particularly yeah. and we've all seen the stats across the television broadcasting and now we've seen it in radio broadcasting as well yeah. and it really kind of held the mirror up to us to the things that we needed to focus our efforts on and so um, Paul Keenan our CEO and I decided to set up a diversity and inclusion forum um, that comprises about 20 people from across the business all from different backgrounds whether that be BAME, whether it's socioeconomic, whether it's uh, disability, whether it's women in programming. There is a number of different representatives and they're people from all levels within the organisation. And we set up that forum as a result of our results Mm. and it's been absolutely fantastic. Um, And it's been really energising for both the people that sit on the forum, but also um, for us, myself and Paul, to really, really see what people come up with in terms of fantastic ideas. And I know that people talk a lot about initiatives, but we don't have initiatives. What we have is a long-term strategy. I don't think there is a quick fix to this situation. What we're talking about is something that's going to take at least three to five years to really, really make the impact that we want to, Mm. uh, particularly when you're talking about the minority groups. And what do you think, Rack, the sort of the quick fix versus the longer-term strategy? 
it was a mix of both maybe. I mean, do you need some stuff in the short term? Um, lots of debate, our own leadership summit around a quota is the right thing to do to just raise the bar and get parity on things like, you know, gender balance at events and things like that. Should it always be more long term or have you got to sometimes do that quick fix stuff? Yeah, I, I think you need to do both. But I think Sarah's absolutely right. You know, this won't take a year two maybe yeah. even three this is going to take quite a long time and I think actually when you sort of step back and and think around how long it could take you know that can be a bit disheartening mm. actually and that, that's something that we've definitely sort of found so I think what's critical to your point it's not around initiatives it's around sort of having you know a clear focus of um, we, we just need to keep doing the hard stuff yeah. and and there's plenty of hard stuff there that, that I think uh, many businesses like yours and organisations like ours and so on or committees like ours are, mm. are trying to address and you are an I know you well, I can say this, you're an optimistic person. Um, uh, <laughs> are you optimistic about the future of where we're going with diversity, inclusion, equality? I, I, I am, because there's focus. And I think mm. it, when there's focus, it'll, it'll move the dial. What does uh, make my glass feel a little half empty at times is when you look at some of the stats. Yeah. So, you know, when some of the stats keep coming out, whether it's IPA bellwether reports or whatever it is, or the big reports that the McKinsey's of this world sort of do, um, that can be a bit disheartening. But I think, I think you know... Um, Looking at and coming from your summit, actually hearing about all the organisations and what they're doing, uh, whether they're your your members or not, um, that is very um, positive for sure. And I think that can only lead to, you know, uh, us moving this in the right way. Yeah. And, you know, people like um, Ali Hanan at Creative Equals, who does brilliant work. I mean, the the stats that she comes up with almost sort of flips them on their head. The whole thing around creative directors, you Google creative directors, and it's a bunch of, you know, white, very middle class men that it spits up kind of makes her point. But um, what's your optimism level like, Sarah? I'm massively optimistic about this because I really believe it's the right thing to do. Um, But it's not just the right thing to do. In order to be a successful organisation these days, you need to have a diverse mix of people. Mm. You need people from different backgrounds because you need to be relevant to the audiences you serve. And if you walk down the street in Camden, it's diverse. If you walk into our building, it's not as diverse. And I think that we've got to be relevant to our audiences. And the only way you're going to be relevant is if you reach all of the communities that exist and it sort of feels even more in our industry we're we're building products we're building services we are making advertising for mm. people if it's not relevant to them and then it's not going to work that, i mean that feels that that, that feels fairly uh, fairly straightforward I, I'd, I'd add to that as well you know we're reaching audiences and i'm, and I'm going to cite karen again actually because mm. karen talks about this um, wholeheartedly in terms of, you know, if we're reaching audiences, how can we understand them if we don't have them, you know, that viewpoint already within our businesses? Yeah. And, you know, in particular, the agencies play a huge role there, as, as do obviously all of us platforms and, and media owners too. Um, and I think that that approach is just really fresh. And that's that's the way we should look at it for sure. Fantastic. And I think it absolutely has to be owned by the uh, top leadership team. And I think that's critical. And I walk into lots of different committees to talk about this subject. And the thing that stands out the most is that not all CEOs are behind this. And it absolutely has to be sponsored by the leader within your organisation. Because um, HR owning it is not necessarily going to get the results that you want. It's got to be owned by the executive board. And they've got to see it as critical as their audiences yeah and what, what do you think that is what's the what's the barrier that's going on there because i think now more than ever before it's so apparent i mean the business case is so clear that that you know um it, it, it pays back to do it being being more diverse is is far greater than being less so so what why do you think it is not at that top level 
Because I think that an awful lot of these boards are uh, predominantly white people from privileged backgrounds and um, you know we are seeing a change there but perhaps not as fast as we would like to see I think there is a shift but it's slow which is why I said it's going to take us a bit longer Mm. than one year two years we're talking three to five years and you know boards are changing the makeup of their um, executive teams but it's it's slow it's slow and um, all we can do is try and increase the pace yeah you, you touched on also another reason, I think, um, around this, which is that short-termism and long-termism yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. as well, you know, and I think absolutely the more progressive businesses are looking at their, you know, output over, you know, many, many years as opposed to, you know, what maybe shareholders need within the space of the next 12 months or mm-hmm. so. So I think that is, a, is another reason, um, not a good enough reason, though. Yeah. Um, this has been fantastic and we could talk for so much longer, but that's unfortunately what we've got time for. Thank you so much, Sarah. Thank you, Rack. You're very Thank welcome. You. Thank you. Now we've pulled experience and advice from our diversity, inclusion and equality advisory group into a series of brilliant and snappy how-to guides. They're simple one-pages that shorthand our learnings so you can get on with making a difference. And you can find them by going to our website at iabuk.com forward slash diversity. Now it's time for Two Minutes On, the section of the podcast where we clear up the complicated concepts. Every week, our very knowledgeable guest has only two minutes to explain a tricky topic in an easy-to-understand way. This week, it's the turn of Universal User ID. And here in the studio to introduce us to it is Richard Nicholson, Head of Marketplace Demand for EMEA from Indes Exchange. Richard, thank you for joining us. Pleasure. Uh, Very, very straightforward then. Two minutes to tell us exactly what Universal User ID is. Uh, So in a nutshell, what is it? Sure. So Universal ID is really the umbrella term for a number of solutions that are in the marketplace that are looking to address two main problems. So the first main problem is known as uh, cookie matching chaos. And Really, there are over 200 ad tech platforms in the ecosystem, and so maintaining a consistent user match graph is really difficult. Right. And uh, what companies like DigiTrust um, with the IEB and Trade Desk's Unified ID are trying to do is work to collect and pool these cookies in optimized fashion. Right. This ultimately reduces latency with less partner calls on page, and uh, also improves obviously user match rates, meaning that targeting for buyers is improved. Mm -hmm. And with that, uh, CPMs for publishers should also see an increase. The second problem we're trying to address is custom audiences. So today, advertisers can take their CRM lists and audience lists and upload them into um, the wall gardens and start targeting uh, the customers. Mm -hmm. That's not possible in the open web. and, And as a result, budget does not go to the publishers and it could create scale issues for buyers. So what solutions like LiveRamp's Identity Link are trying to do is actually take that concept into the open web Mm. and have a situation where uh, buyers and brands can actually take their CRM lists and um, audience audience lists and upload them into their DSP and actually make them addressable across the whole open ecosystem. The advantage there is that publishers in the open web actually start seeing budget from from that activity, and buyers also get increased scale. So I guess in summary, what you see is a number of companies trying to work together uh, in the whole industry to improve um, addressability in the ecosystem and ensure that we are kind of setting ourselves up for a 
a more secure identity future. Great. I mean, it feels very collaborative. It feels like, all you know, you've mentioned loads of companies that are working together, which is brilliant. Richard, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Uh, and don't forget, if you ever get yourself stuck in a heated jargonathon, you can always consult our online jargon buster. Just search for it on iebuk.com. Welcome to the section of the podcast we call Overheard at the IAB. It's a game of two halves, part whistle-stop tour through the IAB calendar, plus a smattering of salacious industry gossip. And this week, I'm joined by Safira Min, our Director of Campaigns, and the IAB's Chief Operating Officer, Jane McNeil. Welcome to you both. Hello. Uh, Jane, we'll start with you. Uh, we just had Rack and Sarah talking about diversity, inclusion, equality within their own businesses. When we think back to our own Leadership Summit and the town hall that we held there, um, what were some of the things that came out in terms of how we progress stuff? Well, it was very positive. There was a lot of passion and a lot of commitment uh, to make things better. So that's the first thing I'd like to say. Mm. Um, I think the challenge was to really focus on the areas where the IAB can make the biggest difference. And um, where we ended uh, after the two days and the three town halls was a commitment to three separate areas. The first area was education. We are going to continue to educate uh, the industry about specific areas that they can um, uh, work on in their businesses to ensure that they are creating an inclusive, diverse and equal environment. Mm -hmm. And on the IAB website, we will have a lot of very practical pieces of information that people can apply to their work. Mm. Um, the second area was raising awareness. There are an incredible number of organisations who are doing so much in this area and um, we will be making sure that everybody is aware of organisations such as Media for All, which you'll have heard about earlier, the Media Trust, Creative Access. There are many and we want to make sure that everyone's aware of all the great work they're doing. And finally, um, we're going to make sure that we at the IAB help drive change. And that's going to be by working with our members and with recruiters to ensure that recruiters commit to putting a diverse range of candidates in front of uh, all employers. Uh, Sophia, uh, you've been out and about um, going to various things. Um, What else is happening? A um, few things I've been seeing. Um, I talked a little bit about neurodiversity last time I, I was on. And I think something, uh, having been to an event where it was established that 40% of self-made millionaires are in fact dyslexic. Oh, wow. um, and that, you know, neurodivergent minds are really brilliant for our industry. They think differently. They look at problems differently to perhaps mm. the mainstream. And thinking about how we can support neurodiverse minds within our industry is a really important thing. So perhaps sitting in an office at your desk in the quiet may not be suitable Mm. for everyone. Full Six are doing a really interesting internship where they're supporting individuals who may not have considered uh, applying for positions in this industry um, and they're helping them with their work environment and helping them to you know, find their best um, opportunities within the industry mm. and not just a two-week internship, something that genuinely can bring about a sort of full-time permanent job afterwards. So I think that's really interesting. Also, Media Trust, uh, we've been talking to, um, the charity that really looks to encourage people from different socioeconomic backgrounds, again, who may not come across our industry or yeah. be encouraged to enter it, um, to get involved. And they run an excellent 12-week course um, on-site at various um, media owners and agencies to help them understand and learn skills of creativity and advertising so they can enter the Mm. industry. 
Uh, and we put to Rack and Sarah, we asked them about their levels of optimism for uh, diversity and inclusion going forward. Uh, Sarah was very, very optimistic and upbeat about it, but recognised that more work needs to be done at C-suite level. Uh, Rack was positive but said you know gets slightly depressed when he looks at the current state of the numbers and realizes that it's a much longer term thing there is no quick fix for this uh where would you put your own levels of optimism Sophia? probably a blend of the two mm. there's definitely lots of progress being made um there's a lot of discussions and action um, happening within the industry and there's a lot of surveys that are revealing results of what is happening and more in-depth studies of what's happening within our sector specifically mm. there hasn't been too much covered before in fact you know in terms of evidence so there's definitely more to do we're hoping that the things that we do help bring every everybody's voices together but we're, we're open to all so if you've got ideas please talk to the IAB about Great. them. Uh, and we changed gears slightly to engage, which is, can you believe it, less than eight weeks away. Um, we announced a raft of speakers on Friday, everyone from Dr. Peter Day from Quantcast to Charlie Craggs, uh, Caroline Criado-Perez. We've got uh, a joint presentation from Kratos and Enders. So we've got a whole load of things coming, more speakers coming soon. Uh, who's exciting you on that agenda, Jane? Well, the whole lineup is fantastic, mm. but... I have to say, I get a little bit excited about Dr. Peter Day, uh, who is probably the most compelling geek mm. I have ever met. And uh, self-identifies as such as well. He was brilliant at Digital Britain a couple of years yes, ago. Yes, he was. Uh, and for you, Sophia, favourite for you? Caroline, as you mentioned, mm. she's a you know writer campaigner, has done lots of great things, getting Jane Austen on, on £10 note. Um, but her book, her recent book, she's uh, launched Invisible Women, looking at data bias in the world, a world that's largely been uh, designed and defined by men. Um, is I think she'll be great. I think she'll bring a lot of interesting issues to the fore. Uh, so we look forward to hearing from her. Yeah, and much more to come next week. Um, we could talk so much, but that's all we've got time for. Thank you, Jane. Thank you, Sophia. Thank you. Uh, tickets are now on general sale for Engage 2019. Remember, they're half price for members, and if you're an advertiser or agency member, you get to come for free, completely on us. Just go to the IAB.com homepage and tap the Engage banner at the top to book your place. Now, picture a gorgeous blue sky stretching as far as you can imagine. On a hilltop acropolis sits a gleaming white complex of fascinatingly designed modern buildings and beautiful gardens which look out over Los Angeles and the Santa Monica Mountains. This is the Getty Center. Its address? 1200 Getty Center Drive, Los Angeles. That aside, 1200 is a pretty big number. And here at the IAB, we have over 1200 member organizations. Every episode, we choose one at random to send a representative who take on our notorious quickfire questions. It's a bit like a game show, but without the expensive lighting rigs or live studio audience. This time, we made the journey over to Twitter to meet their managing director, Dara Nazir. Let's have a listen to how it all went down. So we're here, we're at Twitter HQ, and we're with Dara Nasser, managing director. How are you, mate? Spot on. All the better for seeing you, James. Thank you very much. This is mega easy. So it's 10 questions. You get 60 seconds to get through them all. Are you ready? Yep. Start the clock. Digital detoxes are all the rage for 2019. Have you got plans to do one? Kind of. I've tried to delete a few apps. I try to leave my phone upstairs at home at mealtimes, but I do miss it, I've got to be honest. 140 or 280 characters? 280, my friend. Get with the programme. Uh, Favourite emoji? Thumbs up or guy... Face palming. 
<laughs> Worst one is cry laughing face. Uh, yes. If I asked him, how well would Jack Dorsey says he knows you? He would say pretty well. Oh, OK. Uh, who would play you in a biopic of your life? Let's make this really clear. This film should never be made. <laughs> that would be pretty boring. Uh, people have said... Uh, if this was an audiobook, let's say, that my voice sometimes sounds like Peter Andre, okay. I find that actually grotesquely offensive. <laughs> Philipson or Mew? This is a hard question to answer, and I don't want to offend anyone. But if I'm honest, I have to say the IAB digital itself represents youth, fresh thinking, innovation. So definitely Guy Philipson. What was the last thing you retweeted? Something to do with Tiger Woods winning the Masters. Tell us the first ever email address you set up. My name's appalling, but the great <laughs> thing about it is no one else has got it. So something like Dara Nasser at Hotmails. Uh, the Italian milky white cream cheese, often used in desserts such as cheesecake and tiramisu, mascarpone or mascarpone? I mean, well, I like to use the correct word, James, <laughs> so mascarpone. Uh, and finally, give us a classic Dara Nasser interview question. Well, at every interview I ask Philipson on you. <laughs> it's brilliant. Uh, Dara, that's your ten questions. Thank you very much. Love you, see you. Well, that's it for episode five. We are now well and truly over the halfway point of series two. And of course, a big thanks once again to our sponsor, Verizon Media. This is the point where, as always, we ask you to subscribe and give us that much sought after five star rating and maybe even a friendly recommendation and help spread the word. We're also very much open to feedback, suggestions and, well, general musings. So why not get in touch by emailing podcast at iabuk.com. We'll be back in two weeks' time for episode six, where we'll be putting the focus on mental health with the help of an expert panel, as well as quizzing another industry luminary with our 10 utterly irreverent quickfire questions. But if you can't wait until episode six and you want more information on what the IAB does and how you can get in touch with us, find us online at iabuk.com or at iabuk on Twitter and Instagram. Until then, thanks for listening. The IAB Podcast, sponsored by Verizon Media.